Okay, I think this is the last Wednesday night of the semester, so the last one for 2017. Anybody feeling like life is flying by? It's crazy, isn't it? It's 2017. It's, yeah, it's crazy, crazy how things are flying by, and um, it's been a great year. I, I got the opportunity a couple of weeks ago with my wife to go to Washington, D.C., um, and visit Billy and Tana Huggins. Many of you know Billy and Tana, just some super people that for some reason thought they were supposed to leave here, and I, I am, I'm still arguing with God on that one. Um, I know a lot of you know that she also, they, they found out that she has cancer, and she is doing radiation, and now she's actually doing chemo and actually is rocking it. So we went to D.C. where you walk everywhere, right? And she went and walked with us. So, you know, she's taking radiation in the morning, and she's going with us and, and going to work and then doing this. But several things that she said, when you guys come up here, you got to go to Gettysburg. And, and Gettysburg is just a couple, couple of hours away in, in Pennsylvania, and I'm a big history buff, so that wasn't too much of a sell. She kept saying, I know it costs a little bit of money, but you really need to have the guide, take the guide with you. And I said, okay, sounds like fun. I mean... And then the Mayfields came back and said, yeah, you got to take the guide. And so sure enough, you, you pay this guy and he gets in the vehicle with you and actually drives the vehicle for you and then drives you around Gettysburg and spends about four hours. And so when you hear that, I love history, but four hours sounded like, okay, is that really? But I could have taken two more. He was phenomenal. It was, it was an amazing thing. And it's amazing when you uh, know your history you know, at least to pass a grade in eighth grade for American history class or whatever, you know some things about Gettysburg and, you know, Pickett's Charge. And that's when I remember that was on a test somewhere, but not really sure who Pickett was and which side he was on, to be honest. And to walk through and be on the battlefields and hear the stories and see the monuments everywhere and just the, the courage and bravery uh, and the things that were going on there, it, you know, I came back wanting more. You know what I'm saying? Bought a couple books. I just finished one of them. Uh, I think I'm going to hold the other one on. I've got a World War II one I'm going to read and then come back because we saw a lot of history things. So my mind has been sparked in the history realm. But I came back wanting more uh, to know about Gettysburg and to know about the war and, and how it led up to that. And, and they, call, they call it, there's this place on the last day of that three-day war, uh, they call it the, the, the tide mark, the high tide mark. And this is where the Confederates, this is the high mark, high water mark for where they received uh, to almost take over and make America different than how we know it now. And it was at that point where they were, they were pushed back, and it's at Gettysburg where that happened. And it's a phenomenal place to go. I would encourage you to visit it. But I thought of that in light of uh, the topic tonight and the idea of, of being about the Word of God, you know, and how powerful this thing that we carry around either on our phone or leather bound however we carry it this this book is that we have uh, it is it is an amazing book of history and of the life of Jesus throughout the old to the new just incredible words from God for us to be in relationship with him uh, and I think sometimes we followers of Jesus who have grown up with this. I, I'm one who's grown up with the Bible. My dad's a pastor. I don't remember not going to church. I don't remember not memorizing scripture and, 
and knowing the books of the Bible and all of those kinds of things and, and, and being involved in that. I remember my, my mom on Tuesday, we had a Tuesday Bible club in Carterville, Missouri, and we all went to the Carterville Elementary School, and then we, we walked the two blocks after school with about 200 kids down to the church, and we had Bible club. And I remember my mom leading that and several of the moms taking care of that. And, and I, what I remember is if you came three times in a row and you knew the books of the Bible, you got a sweatshirt. I do remember that. I had a sweatshirt. We had a picture in the, the web city of the Joplin Globe, and I still have it. My mom cut it out, and it's me in fifth grade, you know, looking groovy and cool and with my Bible club shirt on and a couple of my friends. And, and then I remember them uh, doing a drawing, you know, like if they drew your name, you would have to get up and you'd have to quote the books of the Bible. You know, my name was drawn, and my mom rolled her eyes because, like, this looks rigged, you know. It's like the VBS mom goes, your kid gets called. No, we can't have the preacher's kid called. But I was up there so quick, you know, they had to let me do it, and I did it. And I got one of these really cool Bibles. I think I probably still have it. My wife would say, yeah, you still have it, because I don't throw stuff away. And I remember getting that Bible. I don't, I don't remember reading it. I remember having it, holding it, carrying it around. Maybe took it to camp, but I really don't remember reading it. I had this incredible gift. That, uh, that, you know, 8, 9, and 10, I didn't think it was a big deal. And probably 11, 12, 13 either, not so much. Um, I was reading so, several things to prepare for this and uh, on loving the Word of God and being enthralled in that. And I find myself that I really enjoy write, reading books about how awesome the Bible is. You know what I'm saying? There are some really cool books on how, to, how cool the Bible is and how cool God of the Bible is. But I... It's amazing how I can want to read those, but, you know, where do I find time to open the Bible and, and actually get into it? Anybody resonate with that at all? Is it just me? I, I, I'm kind of joking there. Stats would tell us from the 90s anyway that they polled 1,500 Christian, proclaiming Christians, and it said that uh, 18% of them read their Bible, some. Uh, and I don't know how many read it a lot. They didn't have that stat for me, but they did have a stat that 23% never read it at all. Now, it's kind of interesting, right? We're, we're Christians, and we don't spend time in the Word. And I, I'm, I'm talking to all of us, right? I, I think this is a struggle as we, as we talk about discipleship, and, and we spent this whole semester talking about this idea, I think it's on the front of your sheet, this identity and these four pillars that we've kind of come up with, obviously not on our own there. God's pillars, but we've chosen them to talk about what it means to be a disciple and talk about our identity, and that's, that's one we love to talk about. And we spent a couple weeks on biblical literacy, and today we're going to spend that last one on that. And, and, and I, I just, even in preparing for this, um, I, I think the prayer as a leader here, and for all of us, whether it's my family or uh, our staff or, or you or leaders in our churches, that... Do we hunger after the very thing that God has given us as the primary thing to have a relationship with? And that's the word of God. And so I'm, I'm just going to ask prayer for forgiveness, if that's you and me, and, and that we would maybe turn over a new leaf and then hopefully not beat you with guilt on that because I, I think that's the wrong way to approach this. And so I'm going to just kind of share some things that I would share with my life group, share in a Sunday school class, share with my family about how to walk through this and, and think the word rhythm because I think that's a really good word to have, to have a rhythm of spending time with God and, 
and it doesn't have to look the same all the time. That's the really cool thing. So hopefully this is some good news. Let's pray. God, you are good and your love endures forever, and Father, your word endures forever. Uh, it is amazing to think about. Uh, I know Jim's even talked about it. We've, we've done it several times on Wednesday nights, just talking about how we even got the word how they decided on the books and how they printed it, but how they wrote it by hand on papyra and, and how we have even old uh, just hieroglyphics and just pieces of scripture that just point to the truth of, of the long-lasting word of God that you've provided for us. And, and uh, I think of what Justin said this week. We were talking in staff meeting and and, 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 and they're, we're giving stuff to Ghana, and we're putting stuff in a, in a blue barrel, and they need Bibles. And he goes, I got like 12 in my office. Surely I can give them two or three. And, and I thought of that, and I was uh, ashamed to count how many Bibles I have <laughs> and how many minutes I actually spend in it. And so, God, uh, we want to repent. We want to hear and, and just have a better glimpse of you. And I think that the number one thing that you've given us is your word. And, and Father, as we, we ruminate over your word tonight, Father, convict us and inflict us with a desire to be about it more. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Got to start out with Tom Landry. Uh, that's back when I liked the Cowboys, when Tom Landry was coach. We lived in Arizona. And that was the one football team we got, and so my dad was a Cowboys fan, and Tom Landry seemed like a really amazing guy, and so followed Howard Twilley and Roger Staubach and Calvin Hill, right, back in the day in the 70s when I was growing up in Arizona, and, and uh, this is a quote from him, and, and I, I wrote it instead of typed it, so I've got to see if I can read it here. Uh, he says, my job as a football coach is this, is to make uh, my men do what they don't want to do, i.e. practice in order to achieve what they are always wanted to be, which is win the Super Bowl. And then the writer concluded it this way. He says, I think it's the same way with us as Christians, you know. It, to make ourselves do something that we would not naturally do, which is spend time reading the Word, to become what we've always wanted to be, and that is to be like Jesus, right? And so that's where we're going to spend our time together because we all desire. This is, this is what's crazy. We all want to be like Jesus. Like we all want to follow him, and here is the discipline that's there, and it's like, <gasps> okay. And so a lot of us are doing what's probably normal, what's the, root, uh, the kind of the, the rut we fall into as we show up on Sunday, and we give me, pump me up, man. I need my insulin of the scriptures, and, you know, so Jim or whoever's teaching or, or whatever I'm doing, you know, those are my ways to just make it through days, and, and I think it's really, really interesting in the process of that, that God has called us to have a personal relationship. So I want to talk a little bit about that. We're going to look at four things. There's four areas on your sheet. And the first one, again, very practical things, obvious things, Bible study. Last week, at the end of, of his session, Jim was talking about inductive Bible study method. And uh, if you have your notes from that, it's this idea of asking the question, questions of, to the text. What is the passage saying? What does it mean? And how do I apply it to us? And I would argue that at the center of all our study of the Bible, every time we open it up, whatever method we choose, that this is the one that is the, the groundwork, the foundation to a choice that we would have. 
And so if you picked up a Bible and you're reading the Bible through it a year, or you've done this in the last 20 or 30 years, and you started it, and by March you were done with it, but you started it. Anybody been there on that one? I like Drew Henderson's way of describing that I'm on the, the read the Bible in a year, and it took me two and a half years. Okay? And I think that's awesome, by the way. And so I want us to hear that. Um, don't be caught up in I'm, I've got to pass the class idea, mentality. It's like spend time in the Word and take as much time to go as slow as you need to go. And so I think the inductive way is the start. And I'm going to give some ideas. These are not the only. We couldn't exhaust the ways that we could study the scriptures. But I'm going to give you some of those pinwheel ideas of ways with the foundation of going to the passage and asking those questions, right? What does the passage say? What does it mean? And then how do I apply it properly in the context of that? And we've spent a lot of times knowing how to get to that point. A um, couple of scriptures there. 2 Timothy 3.16 these are great passages. Uh, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Colossians 3, 16, another 3, 16 verse. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thank, thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then finally, Psalms 119. And we'll see a lot of them in 119. Verse 97, <coughs> David saying, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. I think the purpose of, of a Bible study and a method to that is to understand and apply the truth to our lives. It's just as simple as that. Is that I'm reading the Bible to hear from God because it is practical. It applies to where I am in my frame. Okay? And so that's why we would study the word. The benefits are direct, directly related to how open I am to that and how um, attentive and obedient we are to what we read, okay? Basic 101 stuff. I, I quoted there, scripture is a primary way that the Holy Spirit opens us up to God who's beyond us, okay? The abstract God. Uh, uh, several of you guys were a part of Bible studies this last year. I think Scott kind of kicked this off on uh, the knowledge of the holy by A.W. Tozer, and it's this book on the character of God, and it is thick. It's a thin book with some thick concepts about the transcendent, omnipresent, you know, unneedy God that we have. And it's just, we can't even, we don't have words to describe him because he's undescribable. And in that process, one of the things that is so amazing about God and sending his Holy Spirit is that he makes himself known through his son, Jesus. And then Jesus says, and I'm going to leave so that one better can come. And that one lives in all of us who have given our lives to Jesus. And so when you open the word of God and you begin to read it, the Holy Spirit, we're inviting the Holy Spirit to speak through it to us. And this is an amazing, miraculous thing that God has allowed us to become part of. Systematically study to gain the big picture of what God is doing. I mean, that's why we don't just read the New Testament or we don't just read our favorite book of Proverbs or things like that, we read the whole scripture because all of it, as we've talked about for, for a number of years, is this, this picture of the gospel. And so systematically study it. And then there is more than one way to study the Bible. I gave you a list. I'm going to give one right at the beginning because let me not assume that for some of you in this room, you may, may just have not even been introduced to Jesus yet. Or I mean, this is new to you and you're not even sure if this is the guy you want to follow and or, or maybe you have, but I've just never got into reading. I'm not a reader. Totally hear that. 
Uh, and so let me give you a beginner idea, okay? Here's, here's one that if, if this is something you're looking for, uh, and I, man, I'm afraid to even go to a life group or go to a central class because I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question. I have no idea. That's a normal thing that people feel. Let me throw you an idea here. This is what, when people ask me, okay, I'm new to this. What Bible should I buy? That's the first question. And then where should I start? And, it, and that's, there's not a right answer here. But let me give you one I think would be a wise answer because it's about Jesus. It's about the redemption plan that God has had. So I would send you to one of the four Gospels, which would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Mark and Luke might be the easier ones to start in. Mark's shorter, so he is, he is moving through it rapidly. <coughs> Luke has a little bit more teeth to it, and it's thicker, so it gives you more story, definitely more parable in that. And I would encourage, if you're looking for a method to where to start, start in Mark. It's, what, 16 chapters, maybe? I think it's 16. I mean, you could read that in a month. You can read it in a day. I mean, however you would like to do that, spend some time. But I think that would be a great place to start because you would, you, you would hear the story of Jesus historically and ask questions like this, just simple questions like, uh, what, is, what seems important to Jesus that's being recorded here? You know, what's, what's he seem to be uh, important to him? What questions are is he asking people, you know? That's a good question to ask of Jesus. What questions does he seem to be asking? And then what questions are people asking him, right? Um, and, and then finally, what, what is Jesus inviting me to do with all of this, right? Just some simple things. So a beginner method. Okay, I'm gonna I'll write that one up here. Just, and that, that's, I didn't, that, I made that one up. So you can patent it and give me credit. I'm sure somebody else has come up with that too. Beginner method. The other ones, <clears throat> you stole. I mean, Google, you can find them. Rick Warren, who's out in California, wrote a book on Bible study methods. It's a great book if you're looking for this. Here's some of the ideas. We're just going to shortly go through the ones that I've listed for you. First one, a chapter summary. In 1128 AD, okay? So, or excuse me, 1228 AD. So, quite a while back, but there was a lot of time before that. That's when a guy came along and he said, you know what? I'm going to help organize the Bible a little bit better. And so he added, added what we call the chapters and the divisions in the Bible. Okay, so he came along and he put Mark, and that's where Mark 1 should be, and Mark 2 and 3 and so on, okay? And so that's not always been. God didn't ordain and give us this God breathe and says, okay, I put it in compartments. You know, I mean, this is what we came along to do, and, and for good reason. I mean, anybody like to be organized? Yeah, I want to know where stuff is. Problem is, I'm organized to not know where stuff is. That's, that's the problem. But, I mean, and so this is what he does. Make it easily accessible. Hey, I'm looking for, we're look, turned to, and this is how we'd find it. And so that's one of the things there. When I was in college, I took a class. It was a two-hour two class. So on Wednesdays and Fridays, Brother Wardick um, taught a class called NT Drill. And if you have a personality like me and the idea that I like lists and I like knowing the facts of so the books of the Bible was something I wanted to learn quick, Right? Um, and these kinds of things. NT Drill was a class where we went through the New Testament, and the class wasn't, tell me what Matthew 1 says. It's, I want you to do a summary of Matthew, and then, and then he would walk through, and we would decide, we'd give a, a, a one, a title to each chapter in the New Testament. So Matthew 1, this was genealogy, okay? And then we'd go through, and then, so Matthew 1 through 28, all chapters, Mark through 16, Luke through 24, John through 21, and Every one of those chapters would have like a one word 
or, you know, Thor. Think of a movie title. I mean, something that would draw your attention to what was in that chapter. Well, that was a fun class. The final was New Testament, write it all out, and put all the topics that you'd picked. I loved it. I don't remember it. I was looking for it because I, I still have my, my, my folder from that class when I was 19 years old, just a few years ago. Yeah, I still have it. I couldn't find that test. But I mean, the idea was it helped me get a, a pretty good idea of where things were in Scripture. And uh, that's what's great about the chapter summary method, if you will, is that if you're like, when he mentions that, I would like, you know, he's talking about a story, and God, I'm pretty sure that's a gospel story, okay, that narrows it to four. That's, that's good to know, right? If he's talking about typically Jesus and the apostles, okay, I know it's in these four. Not always the case, right? Sometimes it's in Acts, sometimes it's in other places, but that's, that's the case there, and that's the scenario. I'm, I'm in Peter this morning reading and it's, it's Peter talking about the transfiguration, okay? And Peter, this is post-Christ resurrection. Remember what Jesus said on the transfiguration? I want you, don't tell anybody. It's Moses and Elijah, right? And they're, he doesn't, oh, let's build like tents for everybody. And, you know, he has no idea what's going on. And then later he writes about it. And he's writing about it in Peter. And so it's fun when I read that to go, oh, <laughs> this is what we just studied in Luke. And here he is talking about it, you know, 30, maybe 40 years later. So it's, it's really interesting to have those kinds of ideas. And chapter summary way is to go through and just say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read five chapters this week, and I'm just going to come up with one word or a couple of words or maybe a sentence to describe what that is. And then I'm just going to try to memorize and pick a book of the Bible to do that with. And so that's the chapter summary method. And again, it may not be I want to go through Matthew. It may be going, I want to go through the, the main chapters of Scripture. Okay, so I want to I know 1 Corinthians 13, love chapter, right? So that's an easy one, love. I want to know where and then fill in those chapters. And so pick five or ten chapters that you're going to know this is the concept in that chapter. That's a great way to study scripture, okay? Another one is chronological. Probably if to do this one, you're going to need to get a chronological Bible, and you're going to find that anywhere. That is a fun way. I, I've only done it once where I've read the Bible in a year chronologically. But what's really cool about that is that it's written, if you were to take your Bible as you have it, it's not in chronological order typically. Okay? And so when you, when you purchase a chronological Bible, it's going gonna, it's gonna to start with Genesis, maybe Job. And it's going to, and this is where it helps you, have you ever found yourself, like right now, we're in the Kings and the Prophets and you're reading about Ezekiel and you're going, okay, I'm not sure where this lands, Right? And you start, it's, those are hard books to read. I'm in Jeremiah too. I'm reading Jeremiah and Job. And so I'm reading Jeremiah and he's talking about Zedekiah and he's Josiah's son. And, and even in Jeremiah, he bounces back around. He's like second year, fourth year, second year. And you're like, What's he, why can't they just put it in order? Again, I like order. I like lists. And so the chronological Bible is a great way for you to get your, your, your hands around uh, how scripture is moving through and how it happens in the orderly fashion. And I think that's a helpful way for a lot of people. And so I would encourage you to do that. Uh, give you a sense of order. Uh, helps you understand where the prophets and which kings they were with. So you're going to read about Samuel and you're also going to read about the prophet of the day. And you're going to read about Isaiah and he's going to be writing at this time with these kings. And, and that's helpful to know that he is with this king and so on and so forth. And so that's, that's a helpful way to do that. Topical, obviously just like it's described, 
uh, just selecting a topic in the Bible that you want to, I want to know more about baptism. Have you ever done that? <laughs> and so you Google baptism, right? Or you go to your concordance, and what does he have to say about baptism? That's an interesting study. What, what does he have to say about grace, right? What does he have to say and then fill in the blank? Uh, think of, I just want to read the prayers. I feel like my prayer life is terrible. I wonder what people prayed about. I, well, I think I know, but do you? Because there's a number of prayers in the scriptures. And you say, I, wanna, I just want to spend this year reading the prayers of Jesus. And see, hear the rhythm of that? Because what I'm not saying is read the whole Bible. If you don't, then shame on you. That's not what I'm saying. But pick something that's you that fits with you. I remember talking to a bunch of mothers who were staying at home with two and three kids. And they're looking at, you know, I remember in a life group, they're looking at me like, like, when do I have time? My kids, you know, I go to the bathroom and their fingers are underneath the door. And I have no, I don't have a minute to myself. Right? Again, it is asking God. Where does that time come for you? Maybe turn to your husband and say, husband, here you are. I'm going to Aspen. This is my 30 minutes to read this week. And guys, step up and do that for them. Okay? And so help them in the rhythm of that. Topical is a great way. Prayers, the miracles of Jesus, <clears throat> the promises of Jesus, the questions that are answered by Jesus, the doctrines. I mean, it depends on how much time and what you want to do in that. But that is a great way to do that. Biographical, is there somebody that you go, man, <clears throat> is there anything more on this guy? Like if you want to pick David, you know, you could do that for the next five years if you'd like. There's a lot on David. There's a lot on Paul. Obviously Jesus, God, right? <clears throat> but there's some really unique people like Barnabas, right? I want, I want to know what he's all about. I want to know what Ezekiel, I, I just want to follow Isaiah. And I, I want to... You know, come find Jim or I or Ryan or one of us and say, do you have anything on Isaiah? We go, I don't, but we can find it. I guarantee you there's some really good stuff on Isaiah. And we can find it. You can do a study. Matter of fact, there are books you can purchase on the men and women of the Bible. You're like, okay, I don't want to know all that, Paul. I just want to know, like, enough. Right? The, the men and women of the Bible, it's about this thick. It's got all of them in there, and it gives a paragraph on every one of them. Maybe a page on, the, on people a little bit longer than that. And that's a helpful gives you some some text in there and so again a great way to do that biographical and then a word study very similar to uh, uh, the topical idea but choosing a specific word I, I think of I, I've done this a little bit with the word faithful and it's in there a lot but you know how does how's the word faithful and the derivatives of faith used and and what what did it describe about the person who had it and how many times was it said about God Right? It might be amazed because we're thinking, oh, this is something I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be. You might be surprised that it talks a lot more about God and his faithfulness to us, which can change how you think about God, right? This is, a, a, I'm telling you, it's a fascinating way to come to Scripture and to look at that. I, I think of, if you've read Paul's letters, what are the words he uses almost every letter that he, te that he opens up with? Grace and peace to you. Maybe I want to trail those words. And maybe trail them only by when Paul uses them. But maybe all the way through. Um, I was mentioning Mark. One of the things that's really cool about Mark is, is the word immediately. It depends on your translation, but immediately is a word that Mark uses. And it gives you a reason for why he's writing. Probably considered the, 
the earliest gospel written. He's trying to get it out there. He's, he's like, what do I put in this? I need to put the skeleton. And he is immediately, and then he did this, and then he did this, and then he did this. It's like, he is in a hurry. He's on, you know, he's ADD or what. It's, that's how you feel. Because he is moving. That's why it's the shortest gospel. But what is he saying immediately about? What is he, what is he hurrying to? Again, a lot of different ways. There's, right, you can't exhaust that. And then a book summary, like a chapter summary, maybe this is a great way. Maybe you don't want to know what's in every chapter of the Bible, but you want to know what 1 Corinthians is about, right? You want to know what 2 Corinthians is about. We're actually going to, in January, for I think 25 weeks, we're going through 2 Corinthians. It's not a big book. We're going to slow down and we're going to take our time with it, but it is a talk about book for the church, messy church, sloppy church, church dealing with a lot of junk. So it's going to be fun, right? It's 1 Corinthians, aren't we? We're doing 1 Corinthians. Not, yeah, because we, we were trying to get 1 Corinthians 15 on Easter, and that wasn't going to happen. It's 1 Corinthians, my bad. But anyway, that kind of a thing, a topical idea <clears throat> that is going through and, and follow through with that. And so uh, just some help and some ideas of some things to do um, in regard to that. The second thing here, i got to move here. Um, the mix and match, obviously, is using more of those. But I want to say this, is that all of these are options for you. And that's the good news I want you to know. I mean, there is not a, we're not going to come up in Sunnybrook, I need everybody, you have to do it this way. But you need to go from this base. That we're starting from this idea that, what is the passage saying? And that's, that's a loaded question, right? We've talked about that. What's it saying in light of the context? Right? We talked about that last week a little bit. The, you know, the danger of not taking something out of context. And so starting with this and going, hey, I'm going to do topical. Or I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to, I want to read. I, I was fascinated in First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. And I just loved from Solomon to David, Saul, and then all the kings in the north and south. And I want to know history. And you're a history buff. <laughs> then go for it. Read it and study uh, and, and spend time with the Lord, uh, letting him speak to you in that matter. Okay, so, um, so that's the Bible study method on steroids there, okay? Devotional reading. Um, uh, there's a couple of here. Devotional reading and meditation sound very, very similar. There are some differences here, but the definition that I wrote out there, the coming to God through his word with a listening, reflective posture, alert to the voice of God. Okay, how's that different than Bible study? Okay. Sometimes Bible study is I want to know facts. Right? Um, so, my Gettysburg illustration. I want to know the facts. On day, this is what happened, and Overstreet was here, and he was stationed here, and Pickett was here, and General Lee was back here, but he didn't have his cavalry, and I want to know the facts. <clears throat> but as I know the story, now I want to read about individual people. And I want to go, what was he thinking? What do people think he was thinking, right? And, and, and devotional reading is a little bit of where sometimes the study is, I'm, I'm coming as a learner, and I, I didn't, did you know the Bible said that, right? Have you ever said that? That's awesome, right? Or like, I, I didn't see that before. I mean, that happens all the time in that, in that process. But devotional reading kind of puts us in a situation where we are, we are actually coming, anticipating something different than maybe just... I'm going to read for 15 minutes every morning. Not saying it can't happen there, but this is unique here. It's the coming to God through his word with a listening, reflective posture, alert to the voice of God. I think you could argue that 
We should always come to Scripture like that. A couple of verses, Psalms 119 again, 36. Incline my heart to your testimonies. I love that word, incline, and not to selfish gain. It's, it's this David saying, you know, give me a heart to want this and desire. And devotional is this idea that I love God. I, I want to, like, be in love. I want, I want it more than what I'm, I know my actions aren't pointing to this. And so how do I incline my heart to that? Psalms 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. How sweet it is. Hebrews 4, this is an awesome passage. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirits, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. <clears throat> and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That's, that's, we're going to talk about memorization. That's a good one to memorize. Deuteronomy 30, but the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. You ever feel defeated as a Christ follower? Like my intentions are good? You know, one of the reasons where we struggle is we're, we're, we're not about the word, where it becomes fresh on our mouth and it's something that comes from. Um, I don't listen to KLVV. I'm not a big Christian music kind of person in that realm. I'm, I'm just not me. I love it on Sunday morning here. I just don't want to hear the same nine songs over and over. That's my opinion. When I was with Billy and Tana, they have a different opinion. So we listen to Christian music all the time in D.C. So I had no idea what was happening in the world. You know, we were listening to Christian music, so I'm giving them a hard time. But you know what I was singing all the time? Was the lyrics. You know, have you ever wake up or get out of the shower and you're singing what we sang on worship that morning, right? Have you, you know, I think that's, I think, I think this is how God made us. You see, the more that what we fill ourselves with, the more it just flows from us. And if we're not in the word, why should we be surprised that it's not flowing out of our heart and out of our mouth? And so Deuteronomy speaks to that. Our desire, this is a great quote, is to know more and read more. And study more can be another expression of our culture and its acquisitive nature. That's, that's who we are. We love to know. Give me more facts. I just describe myself in that. He says, but this devotional reading is not just knowing God, but not knowing more is not the goal. It's knowing God, okay? And so there's a, there's a subtle difference of that. And devotional reading is the desire to know God. I want to know him. Sorry, that's me probably getting too close. I want to know him. And so this is the devotional side of that. I wrote down right underneath that reading, not to master the text, but to be mastered by it. Okay. And so this is what's so awesome about the scripture. Sometimes I need to read it because I need to know it and remember it. And sometimes I just need to stop in it. Right. I just, I need to rest in it. And I think this is where devotional reading finds itself. Uh, defined, it's preferably dwelling on a passage of scripture, listening deeply to God's personal word for you from that text. Again, not getting away from this, but in the midst of as I hear what it's saying and how it's, and I'm, I'm just letting it tumble over my mind, you know, what is God saying? What does he seem to be speaking to me in that way? And so this is the picture uh, that we see in this devotional reading thing. Um, the benefits is this, we learn how to keep company with God. I love that. 
you know how to hang out with him. You know, I mean, I, I remember uh, um, just doing things where um, I, I remember having concerts here when we'd bring somebody in to do the concert, and then we would take them back to the airport. And, and you know, you saw them do the thing, and they kind of had their little green room with their water and their whatever they asked for. Actually, I remember one, we had newsboys here, and <clears throat> our people thought it would be great. To, it's close to Thanksgiving, so we, we did a Thanksgiving dinner, and that wasn't a part of what they sent us, but they loved it. I mean, we had turkey, we had pumpkin pie. They had been eating pizza and things on the road. They were so grateful for that. But, you know, as I walked in, kind of a little bit in awe of them, it was kind of like sitting to talk with them. I was like, you know, I, I didn't know them well enough to feel like I could ask them Big, like, how come you, what made you think of the words for that song? What led you to that? I was afraid to ask those questions because I just didn't have a relationship with them. And it was an awkward drive back to the airport talking about the weather in Oklahoma and, you know, so what's a sooner and asking those kinds of questions. I mean, we just got surfacy. And I think sometimes with Jesus it's the same way. We, we come and <clears throat> we know these kind of highlight items, but when devotional reading, it kind of puts us in this situation uh, where we slow down and we start to hear God and we, we, the relationship, and we start to become more vulnerable with him. Changes how we pray. Um, the, the, the great thing about behind devotional reading, I think a lot of times uh, we would look at devotional reading and go, yeah, but it's not, that's not what the word means or that's not what it says. And and I hear what you're saying, that sometimes we make it devotional and we say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and we just make it all about me making a baseball team or getting this job or running this race fast, right? And, and we go, okay, we're, we're abusing the text. And that's the danger of devotional reading. But hear this. <laughs> the, the first, what, 1,500 years of the church did you, do you know the culture? Who had the scriptures? Who could read or write? Who had a language to even do that with? They would come to church. They would sit for hours, listen to someone, just read the text. And that was their food and fodder for the week. You hear me? That's all they had. They, they, didn't, they didn't have note-taking places in the bulletin. They didn't have a journal. They didn't have access to those kinds of things. They didn't have a language to write it. They language to speak, but they couldn't write it. And, and one of the cool things that came out was the, the Lectio Divina, right? I don't know if you're familiar with this, but this traditional Benedictine practice of spiritual reading, meditation, and praying intended to promote communion with God to increase the knowledge of God's word in the people of God. So it did not treat scripture as text to be studied, but as the living word. That's why Hebrews 12 is such a cool passage. Sharp and active and living. This is the word of God. This, and so they were practicing this lecto divina. And so 1,500 years, this is how the church did church. And people would take a hold of these ceremonies and these hymns and these scriptures that these songs that were sung, the scripture that was sung, and, and they would go back. They didn't have KLBB, right? They, they, this is all they had, and they would study this. and um, This is how they learned to have a relationship with God. These five movements of this were uh, silencio, so silently themselves. And so they would come to church, and they would 
there would be a quiet preparation and they would just let that resonate. We're, we're so afraid of silence. Okay, I want you to, let's do, I want you guys to pray. And they're like, okay, is somebody going to pray? Because we've been praying for like 12 seconds now, right? That's us, right? That's America, right? And they would take this time to, to slow down, okay? Our culture, I mean, we, we don't slow down. I mean, your mind's right now racing about tomorrow and uh, did I, oh, did I, did my wife wash that? I need those tomorrow, you know, or I've got this to do, and I've got to, before I go, i got to get gas, and oh, I do have a low tire, I probably got to fill up on the way, you know, all these things we're thinking about, we're just busy, it's noise, whether it's music in the car, <clears throat> you know, your phone, it's just tweeting, and it's just Facebook checking, and just CNN, I, I don't know why it does it, I think I upgraded, and now CNN every 10 seconds beats me about some kind of new amazing thing that I need to know right now, right? We're just inundated with noise. It's just noise. And, and maybe it would be kind of cool to practice this, just to slow down, to be silent, remove the chaos in our mind, to the lectio, the idea of reading a passage slowly. And this is what was cool. It was read aloud because nobody else had it. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want And they'd read it loud and slow down. And they would linger over the word so that it would resonate in in the hearts. And then they would stop when something grabbed them. When was the last time the word of God just stopped you in your draft? I think it's probably happened more than you realize. It may have not been when you were reading it, though. It may have been... Uh, in, a, in a worship song. There's a couple of songs, and it's not because it gets high and I can't sing it. It's just I get choked. I cannot sing that. I just, I can't. I mean, it's just, and it's about the power of God and then he, you know, the resurrection, and I'm just like, I'm done. I can't, I, I could never sing it, you know. Um, I think of that about even some of the old hymns that I grew up with, right? Um, and, and I think this is what you do in this. The, the third thing is the, the meditation part of that, where you read it aloud again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The process of walking through that. Um, I think this is a challenge. And the, then the, the last, not the last one, the fourth one is this idea of responding and praying what God has been saying, reading the text again for a third time, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and then speak with God truthfully and authentically. What what feelings has the text aroused for you? I can see that maybe that's why they would leave church and they could still be the church because the word was spoken, the Holy Spirit was in their presence. And they were grasping for that. Makes me think back to Paul when he is going across Asia Mitre than on into Macedonia, right? And he's just going, and there's some places that don't want him, and he goes, and people ask him to stay and beg, and he stays weeks and sometimes years because people were flooding in. Give us more. Give us more. And so this is the idea of a devotional Bible study, and this is why it's good because it helps us develop a relationship as we hear the actual word of God come to us. 
meditation, it's, it's similar. It's a slowing down and giving one's uninvited attention to God. There's several texts there. Let me, Psalm 77, 12. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Psalms 19, verse 14 says, with the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And then one of my favorites, Psalms 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. Shut up and know that I am God. Meditating over that is, is a huge piece that I'm going to jump to get us through this. Devotional uh, reading and, and doing those things are things that God points out to us and gives us in this, in this light. It's defined as a long, ardent gaze at God. You know, his work and his word. Not an emptying of the mind. It's not a new age thing. It's just not like, okay, totally clear your mind. And just let stuff come in. I don't, nah, that's not what he does. Matter of fact, I think of the situation where um, the demons are cast out of the, of, of, the, of the person and nothing is put in to replace them. And so what happens? They come back in. So this is not an emptying of the mind. It's not going crazy. It's like, okay, we're going to teach some kind of new theophostic the kind of thing. It is really coming down and listening to the scripture and saying, God, speak through your mighty word that you've given us. Um, and so this is where God has encouraged us in that. It's this mulling over. It's this chewing on. It's this ruminating over God's word and his application. And so if this is your desire to do, then you're not going to read the book of John this month. You might read John 1 this month. You see what I'm saying? Because you've got to slow down for this. Matter of fact, John 1 would be a pretty good place to slow down. I think it would do us good to, to read John 1 for seven days this week. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Oh, yeah. Makes me want to do that more. I don't do that enough, okay? Um, the, the, uh, the meditation, that, that part is, is critical. Um, there needs to be a slowing down, a relaxing, and a breathing deeply for this. Uh, I, I love this quote. God walks everywhere incognito. <laughs> he is everywhere. I was at the gym before here, and there's a guy who goes to one of our churches here, and he's a, he's a dear brother. And he goes, isn't it great? <clears throat> okay. I, I'm jumping in the shower. Yeah, it's great, I guess. I'm ready to be, I'm ready to be done. He goes, he goes, you know. That God made man, that's what he said. You know, we're sitting in the, the small room, right, of a shower area. And he just, you know, he's just in love with God. You guys, you guys having prayer meeting tonight? I said, you bet, we're having prayer meeting. I'm going to go have a T-bone, and I'm going to have a prayer meeting. So he worked out to get his T-bone. I kind of understand that philosophy. And, and I just thought, you know, here's a guy that I think he probably meditates on the word of God maybe better than I do. It just emanates because... Everywhere is God incognito to him. God is in this men's locker room. And he's in the traffic when it closes to one lane and everybody's cut in front of you. He's, he's incognito, right? He's incognito whether you win or lose in your game or, or whether you get the promotion or not. He's incognito. Have you seen him? And I think meditation helps him be seen clearer. And so I would encourage that for you. 
You know, it's, it's really interesting. I, I want to say this, and I, I want to put a little bit of word of caution here. I'm not replacing spending time in the Word, but, you know, there's, there's things we can do about as we meditate. And I bet you already do this, is, is as we meditate on the Word, maybe God takes you to begin to think of people. And so start meditating on people. And what I mean by that is like asking God, would you give me the eyes to see this person the way you see him? Is there somebody right now that, that's on your heart that's maybe lost or wayward? I, I have some people I think about. And I pray that I would see them the way God sees them. And I have to trust that God loves them way more than I could ever love them. And their family. Yeah, God loves them more. And so we can meditate on that. I, I think we can meditate, again, don't get crazy, but I mean, I love, like I walk the lake. And I don't do it as often, but I mean, I'm walking between where my house is and the lake. It's about a half a mile, and it's trees, and <clears throat> you, you hear, and you listen, and you know, it's just viewing and, and seeing God in this. I mean, this has been a beautiful fall. I can't remember a fall like this. Some of you have been around a while. I mean, the colors have been crazy. But it's just gorgeous, and, and I just can't help but think of a God who sustains that. And you know me, if you've heard me talk, I, this is one that draws me in. But, but even in that meditate on the current events of our day and not be overwhelmed by them and, you know, lobby your senator. That's not what I'm asking. But do you meditate on God in the midst of the current events? You know, how have you thought about Sutherland Hills Baptist Church in Texas. And I've been praying a lot for a, a pastor who lost a daughter who wasn't there. And I, I, I just tried to put myself in that shoes of, of a man who was some, at another engagement. His wife was at another engagement. His daughter was there and she was taken. And he turns and loses his elder board and key lay people in their church, this small church. And him, everybody wanted an interview and he's mourning himself for his people and his own daughter. I saw another article written by a, a, a pastor from a small church in Texas, and he kind of said, okay, maybe some churches don't understand what would happen if 26 people were taken from your service. We wouldn't miss them. Now, we've met, you know what I'm saying. 26 people can be gone on fall break, and we're going, were they there? I don't know. Did you see them? 26 out of 150. Three-quarters of your elders your worship team, right, your nursery, meditate on the promises of God and who he is, and pray and intercede, uh, you know, this is, it's a powerful thing, guys, and we need to be about these kinds of things. Finally, memorization, it is what it is, right, knowing it by, by heart, we gone are the days where we know I remember as a kid, you know, one of the first things he taught me in kindergarten was my phone number and your address and those kinds of things. Okay, can you tell me your, your spouse's phone number? Well, it's right here on the phone. Boom, <laughs> you know. We don't memorize things anymore. I mean, or if we do, we, it's quotes from the office, right? I mean, we know those. We know uh, buy your clothes at Eskimo Joe's, right? We do know that. We know sayings, right, because they get us. Are we memorizing scripture, continually remembering the words, truths, and images God uses to shape us? Psalms 119 says, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
There's the promise. That's why we spend time, so that I can actually, like, have success at sin in my life. Luke 24 says that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. This incredible quote by Jesus, and they remembered his words, and then returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. 2 Peter 1 said this, in verses 13, 14, 15, I think it's right, as long as I am in the body, to stir you up by the way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, this is Peter talking, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Keeping company with Jesus by hiding his word in your hearts, the benefit is the access of the Holy Spirit to remind you. Um, You know, what should we memorize? Again, there's no requirement. I, I, I remember in interning and having these words to share the gospel, and I had them in my pocket in my billfold. So I had these Romans Road words, you know. It's like, oh, 10, 9, I can't remember what it says. And, and I remember pulling that out several times and sharing that with students as I interned and <clears throat> with people, and then I realized I didn't need it anymore. I know those verses. Um, you know, it's good. I mean, I, you know, I'm assuming you know the books of the Bible. I shouldn't assume that. Maybe that's what you need to memorize. You know, Matthew 5, blessed are, those, that's a great text. I mean, we could start yelling out. I would, I, I would hope that we could yell out for an hour and we could all be quoting scripture. Maybe, maybe not. But whatever God has put on your heart, there, find and put that on your heart. And this is what's amazing. I've been in situations, and as I go into scenarios and I'm asking for God for his words, I am never surprised that God gives me his word. You know, and, and, I can, and it comes. And it's not of my doing. It's not because I've done a great job memorizing. It's just because when I spend time with that, it starts to leave an imprint in my life. And I would encourage that as we memorize scripture as well. Um, I would also say, it's not just the word. I mentioned it earlier, but like songs. I think these are good things to memorize. A lot of the songs are biblically literate, right? I don't know a lot of the, I mean, I know the new songs. I mean, once you start singing them, I can get you to them, you know. But I just grew up on hymns. And so when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on the way. And when we do his good will, he abides with us still, just as long as we trust and obey. Right? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So hymns can bring time with God and healing with God. And, and whether it's a quote, I think of my uncle Roy, who's passed did ministry for a number of years, spoke actually here years ago, long, long time ago, Joe Weiss's dad actually, and there was a quote I remember writing in one of my Bibles, and it stuck with me to keep me from gossip, it says, those who throw dirt lose ground, I I like that quote, because that one is convicting, but 
throwing dirt, you lose ground. I just, that's a great quote. I think that's memorization. These are quotes. These are things that God is putting on your heart. I hope this is encouraging to you. I, I left some resources at the bottom there. If you don't have a good study Bible, that's where you need to start. You gotta, you gotta get one. I know we use ESV here, and that would be a great one, but sometimes it's a little hard to understand. And so, if that's the case for you, the NIV is actually fairly easy to understand. The, the message is really super easy, but it might confuse you because if you're going to try to do the inductive Bible study, the message would not be the place to do that. It kind of takes some allegiance with some words, okay? But ESV, uh, grab one that's got, and what I mean by study Bible, it means it has a good concordance. It means that, oh, so some of these topical ideas, you can actually use the concordance in the back of your Bible to trace that. Um, it's, it's one of those where the actual scripture is about this much and the bottom is this much of commentary. And that is helpful. So if you're going to study through the book of John, you probably need to pause and go, what is it saying here? Doing a lot of that in Jeremiah. Okay. Uh, remember he said this three chapters? Okay. Because it's all, you know, it's, it's Greek to me right now, right? But it's good to stop and to have those things. A um, couple of things that are at the bottom here. I actually have a couple. Stole them out of some guys' offices. You know, when you leave the country, you lose books. So, uh, Grasping God's Word. This is a great book we used in our theology class, uh, just on approach to reading, interpreting, and apply the Bible. Who would want this? Anybody want it? Yes, Jennifer. This one actually has not been written in. This one has been. I was asking Ryan Vincent, he goes, have you seen the God's Stories book? I don't know. Somebody took mine, so I don't have it. And he goes, hey, I found one. It's got some writing in it, but this is a really cool overview of, like, the whole Bible. <clears throat> a guy named... Uh, <clears throat> Andrew Wilson did this. Anybody interested? Alyssa, I'll, I'll leave it here for you. Um, but you can come. No, you can come get it. Alyssa? No, wait. Wait till later. No, no. I had to do that to you. You know I had to do that to you. There you go, girl. You bet. So as we walk through this, this is, this is critical. I, <clears throat> I do want to convict you if you need to be convicted. If you're not in the Word, to be in the Word. To find, at the very top of that, I think he said, find a time, find a place. What else did I say there? I can't remember what I said on that. Uh, make a place, make a time, and make a plan. The last couple of months, we, we went as a staff, and we heard Mark Scott, and we asked him that question. He kind of told us his plan. <clears throat> and then we were at a conference, and Matt Chandler spoke of that, and he kind of, in his sermon, told his plan. And it was really cool because I was wanting to do something different because I was in a rut of my plan, you know. I journal some. I don't journal all the time. <clears throat> my big part was, and I know it's Bible study, and let me finish with this, is, is just like how do I pray for all the things that I want to pray about and keep focused on it? And Mark Scott helped me a lot, and so I've started that the last couple weeks. And so I got a new little journal, and it's my prayer journal. And as I read the text I'm reading, I don't journal in it about what God is speaking to me, but it does maybe define some of the prayer requests that I end up having. And so I have what I call the ongoing regular prayer list. And so praying for specific things in our family, praying for specific people in our church, praying for Billy and Tana on a regular daily basis, praying for a, a church in Kansas that is in a difficult situation that's dear to my heart. So those are my ongoing, but then on the days... On Monday, I pray for um, I pray for sister churches, so churches that I've worked at before, or I have good friends that work at those, or we have a relationship with them. So <clears throat> here in town, Reed and Emily James at Center Church, 
Super awesome people. Pray for them on Mondays. Pray for um, First at Owasso. Pray for the churches that go to Youthquake with us. That's, pray for some of the churches that go to camp with us. Pray for uh, uh, Mount Zion. That's a church we like to pray for that we do. We have a sister relationship with them. And, and even Eagle Heights with Brett Prentice there. We have connections with that. I also pray for our Timothys. And so I keep adding to that list because I remember and forget. But I always wanted to pray for these people and then I forget about it. But that's always like a good thing to pray for Daniel and Cassidy. Right, and I mean to do that. Oh, and I see them, and I pray when I see them when they visit. And no, I need to be, have a list. And so Monday is that list, praying for them. Tuesday is is a day that you, again, this is just just how I do it. We just pray for different things. So Tuesday is I pray for our elders and our leaders, so our staff and our elders, and I pray for the life group leaders. Um, we just finished a school of discipleship with with a bunch of guys, so those guys are on my list. And so Milton's on that list. And just praying for them, as we said, our last one. And that's what I do on Tuesday. Wednesday, I pray for uh, uh, the people I work with. So they get a double dose. I pray for them and their, 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 uh, their wives. I pray for uh, all that's going on there. Uh, at the end of the week, so Thursday, uh, I think I missed one. But Friday, Saturday, because I, I leave the option. And this is where I find the rhythm. Instead of putting myself to a yoke of a burden of a prayer time and then feel guilty when I don't do it, is I, I, my Friday, Saturday, one of those days I'm going to spend some time. Those are days I don't, they don't get up at 5.30 when I'm doing it. And so I'm going to get up a little bit later, one of those days, and, and I, one of the, I pray for the marriages in our church. So marriages that are struggling, that I know of, marriages that are brand new, Marriages that's going to get married in December, praying for David and Jess, and praying for Eric and Meredith, and praying for a lot of your marriages, uh, as whether, whether it's yours as a witness to others. That's just something that God, and, and it's, I tell you what it's been, instead of feeling, oh, the one I forgot was praying for my extended family. So I, all my nephews and my brothers-in-laws and sisters-in-laws, that's a day. A lot of them are in ministry, but not all of them are. One of them's at you know, shaky marriages, kids and situations. And so that's a day that I pray. That's something that is helping me right now. Don't, you don't have to do that. I just want to throw that as an idea. But I wanted you to hear that I don't get up and read my Bible devotionally or study it every day. But I do make a commitment to the first four days and then a Friday, Saturday, not on Sunday. Okay, this is, this, is, this is what God is leading me to do. And I find that I'm hearing God speak to me more. Not audibly, but through his word and through the scenarios. I find myself praying more. I find myself praying in the car, shut the radio off and just pray on the next, somewhere. Or, you know, and, and, and I don't know if that helps you, but uh, I, would, I would love that you would fall in love with the very words that God has given to us. Amen? Amen. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you Sunday if you're still here. If not, have a great Thanksgiving. And we'll be back in January.